0: Well, good morning. So good to see you all here today, and a Merry Christmas to you. Um, for those that don't know you, my name's Wynn, and I'm on staff here at Grace as well. And we're so happy that you're here uh, celebrating this Christmas season together with us. Today we begin our Christmas series that we're calling Arrival. And if you're familiar with the traditional Christmas calendar, today is the first Sunday of Advent. Now, Advent literally means to come, but we've also kind of tied it to this concept of arrival, as you see in our series title. It's a time of year when we really want to prepare our hearts for celebrating the birth of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And over the next four weeks, we'll be looking at each of the themes of Advent as we work towards the celebration of the arrival of Jesus, the birth of our Savior on that first Christmas day. I really appreciated the presentation earlier. Thank you, David, for for sharing that and for lighting the first Advent candle this week. And we look forward to the rest of the Sundays coming up this month. You know, Christmas is always an exciting time of year. It's a time of great expectation, and it's a time of hope as well. And this is the first topic we want to look at today in our Advent series and we will be looking at celebrating the birth of Jesus as we as we look at the expectation, the arrival of hope. We live in a world today that is in desperate need of hope. You agree? When we look around us, we turn on the news, this is what we observe. We see unrest in our world. We see wars that are raging, some very significant wars. And this unrest is motivated often by a hunger for power. Or this unrest is often motivated by religious or political divisions. We hear about crime all around us. We, we witness in our headlines government corruption. We have a sense that there's some financial instability in this world we live in, always talking more and more about interest rate hikes or how consumer debt is just blowing out of control. Just yesterday, my, my 23-year-old daughter asked me, so what happens when this country goes into recession? How will that affect me? A good question. We read studies about how more and more people are suffering from anxiety and stress and burnout. We witness broken relationships, broken marriages, broken homes. And these problems can become paralyzing to us if we fixate on ourselves, on our problems, and on our dilemmas that we go through. And I tell you, if fixing the problems in this world depended on me or you or or humankind, I can see why there would be the sense of hopelessness in our world. But today, the incredible message we want to share about Christmas is that you don't have to be fixated on solving your own problems The incredible message of Christmas is that there is a loving and caring and merciful God in heaven who sent his son Jesus into the world to bring joy and peace and love. And today he offers you hope. Today I want to begin by reading a Christmas passage from the Bible. It's found in the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. Now, Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples, and he wrote the account of the life of Jesus to an audience of mainly Jewish people. You see, each gospel writer had a different purpose and a different audience in mind when they wrote the gospels. That's why there are slight differences in them. And so Matthew is writing to the Jewish people to help them realize that Jesus truly is their Messiah and the fulfillment of all the prophecies of the past several centuries. And Matthew begins his gospel with the birth of Jesus because he wanted his people, the Jews, to know and understand that hope had finally arrived. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Or look it up on your phone. It'll also be on the screen Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to be reading verses 18 through 25, and I'm reading from the NIV. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Today I want to focus on verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God With us. You see, hope and expectation are two very good words to describe the emotional and the political climate of the nation of Israel at the time of that first Christmas over 2,000 years ago. You see, the Jewish nation was under Roman rule and the people longed for freedom from the oppression that the Romans were imposing on them. And in accompanying this longing for freedom was a hope. An expectation that had been created hundreds of years earlier and had been passed down from generation to generation. And what was the source of that hope? Well, it came from God's own promise that one day he would send a savior into the world, a descendant of the great King David who would deliver his people from their oppression. And because of this promise, the people of Israel could live in hope Now, I don't know if you realize it or not, but there are two kinds of hope. You heard a little bit about that in the spoken word shared earlier when we were lighting the first Advent candle. There is this hope that we would better describe as wishful thinking, like, I hope it will be a white Christmas this year, or I hope I will get that special gift this Christmas. But when we say that on that first Sunday on this first Sunday of Advent that we are anticipating the arrival of hope we are talking about the bible's definition of hope the bible speaks a lot about hope but the definition of hope that the bible talks about is not some kind of wishful thinking rather the bible's definition of hope is this a confident expectation that something will happen because it is based on the character and on the promises of God. And that's our first point this morning. Our hope is based on the character of God and his faithfulness in keeping his promises. For centuries, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, lived through the ups and downs of life, knowing that one day, God's anointed one, that's what the word Messiah means, God's promised Messiah would come into the world and make life better for them. And God delivered these promises to his people through the voices of the prophets. Individuals who had the privilege of being God's special messengers to the nation of Israel and to the surrounding nations around them as well. That's what Matthew is referring to here in our text. The arrival of Jesus into the world fulfilled what had been spoken of by prophets who were constantly reminding the people that a Savior was coming. Their Messiah was coming. There are many prophecies in the Old Testament that point to the coming Messiah. Let's look at a few of them. Now, when it comes to Old Testament prophecies that present a detailed and a majestic picture of who the Messiah was to be, we turn to the prophet Isaiah. You see, in the nation of Israel, there were three very important offices. There was the office of prophet. There was the office of king. And then there was the office of priest. And in the book of Isaiah, we see that Isaiah prophesies that the Messiah was coming to fulfill all three of these important offices. In Isaiah 61, we read that the Messiah himself would be a great prophet. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness from the prison, for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. favor. You see, Jesus quoted this very passage in Isaiah when he was teaching in the synagogue, and he said that that passage was a direct reference to him. He was the one Isaiah was describing. He was the one who would be speaking truth. He was the one who would be preaching good news to the poor. He was the one who would be proclaiming freedom to the people that were captive in their sin and brokenness. And he would be the great prophet who would bring hope to his people. Isaiah also points to the Messiah as a great ruler king. In chapter 9, he says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here, Isaiah emphasizes the deity of the Messiah. His titles include Wonderful Counselor, He calls him Mighty God, Everlasting Father. It's actually translated Father of Eternity and Prince of Peace. And the Messiah was also destined to rule. He goes on in verse 7, "...of the increase of his government and peace there would be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever." The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And then Isaiah also portrays the Messiah as a great high priest mediating between God and his people. But not from a position of power or prestige, but as a humble servant actually suffering on behalf of his people. Listen to what Isaiah says In Isaiah 53, it's a long passage, I don't have it on the screen, but just listen how he describes this Messiah. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God You see, Messiah would be pierced. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. You see, Messiah would die for the sins of all the people. That was the role of the great high priest, to present a sacrifice to God on behalf of the people, to pay the penalty for their sin. And Jesus himself became that sacrifice for us. Messiah would remove the curse of death that had entered the world because of sin, and he would bring healing to a broken world and call his people to a life of holiness and purity. Can you see why the people of Israel lived in hope? And God had constantly proven himself faithful, keeping his promises. He promised to deliver the people from slavery in Egypt, and he did. He promised he would lead them to a promised land, a special land, a beautiful place to settle, and he did. He promised he would raise up a king to lead his people, and he did, in his servant David. You see, God is a faithful God who keeps his promises, and that gave the people that confident hope that a Savior, that a Messiah that God had promised was also going to come. And God kept his promise. See, we too can live in hope because that same faithful God who fulfilled all of these promises that we read about in the Bible is our God too. The promises that God gave in his word, the Bible, are not just promises that are made to the Jewish people or promises that are made to the people that are written about in the Bible. No, these promises that God made to everyone is to everyone who surrenders their life to him. To everyone who becomes one of his children by putting their faith and trust in Jesus. You see, the people of Israel's hope was realized when Jesus was born. And our hope is realized in Jesus. It's unfortunate so many of the Jewish people refused to accept who Jesus was. And they missed the arrival of the one to give them hope. Jesus offers us hope this Christmas. Not a kind of wishful thinking hope, but a confident hope. That we can trust him. In our passage this morning, we see how Matthew connects the angel, angel's message to Joseph with the one prophecy of Isaiah concerning the Messiah that was prophesied over 700 years earlier. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And then Matthew tells us that Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one would be God, God himself coming in person to live among his people. There are millions of people today looking for hope in this world and are unable to find it because they're looking in the wrong place. Don't be one of those people. Don't be a person who misses the incredible hope that a life with Jesus offers. The Jewish people put their hope in God's promise that their ho- and then their hope arrived when Jesus was born. But that hope doesn't just encourage us in the past. This hope in Jesus carries us on through our day-to-day living today. Today. In this present moment, and that leads to our second point this morning, that our hope in Jesus helps us through our current challenges in life as well. When Jesus arrived, see God's promise that he would send his Messiah, that was fulfilled, but that doesn't mean that our hope in Jesus then ends at that first Christmas. The hope we have in Jesus continues now to guide us, to help navigate us through the problems of life. Jesus is still Emmanuel, God, with us. And while he doesn't still live here on earth with us, he has sent us his Holy Spirit so that those who have surrendered their life to him receive God's Spirit in our hearts and we can now live as a new person, forgiven, living in peace and living with purpose. And as followers of Jesus, we can live in hope because God's Spirit now lives in us and it's the same faithful God who keeps his promises to us. So that we can live in confidence that he's going to guide and direct our lives today. The nation of Israel lived in hope. Because over and over they saw God's promises fulfilled. Because of his faithfulness. And we can live in that hope today because he, we also experience God's faithfulness in his life. In our lives. I can testify to that personally myself. When a tumor the size of a baseball invaded my kidney, I surrendered it to God and I just asked him, God, for strength to help me through this health crisis. And God was faithful. The kidney was removed and the tumor was benign. When I was given the opportunity to be promoted to an engineering manager's position at Siemens, I wrestled with this idea because I was actually fearful of being in that kind of a position. And I gave it over to God, and I prayed to God for wisdom, like Solomon did. And God was faithful. And he gave me clear direction, and I took the position confident that God would be there with me, helping me through the challenges. I don't know what your story is here today. But I know that if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, God's spirit is with you to guide you when the way seems unclear. And his powers that work in you to give you strength to get through those difficult situations. You see, we serve a God of hope. A God who has demonstrated his faithfulness over and over again. And he wants us to trust him. To trust him with our financial problems. To trust him with our relational challenges. To trust him with our health issues. And to trust him with our very soul. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? He offers you hope. Hope that's a confidence that he will meet your needs. But more importantly, he offers you new life. A life where you are forgiven of all your sin and brokenness. That sin and brokenness that has created a separation between you and God. And a life that leads to despair and hopelessness. Don't miss out on the hope that Jesus offers this Christmas. He offers you forgiveness for your sin and brokenness. And peace in times of trials and struggles. And he offers you purpose when life seems meaningless people of Israel lived in hope, anticipating the arrival of the Messiah. And we too live in hope with Jesus now in the present with us, God's spirit leading and guiding us. But you see, hope in Jesus also looks ahead to the future. We live in hope because God has promised us a perfect life, with him that will last forever in eternity. And he promises that Jesus is coming back again to restore all the brokenness and chaos in this world and restore it to the perfection it had when God first created it. And that's our third point this morning, that our hope in Jesus leads us to live in eager expectation of eternity and his second arrival. See, if all we had to live for was this world, How depressing that would be. If you are a follower of Jesus, however, you can live in the hope that this life is not all there is. God has promised us a future life with him, a life that will last forever. A life without pain and suffering and brokenness that we experience. Listen to how one of Jesus' closest disciples, Peter, states it in his letter. 1 Peter 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Peter talks about this new birth The moment when we surrender our life to Jesus and he makes us into a new person and we become a child of God and with that privilege also comes an inheritance, an inheritance of eternal life. And Peter says, knowing this should cause us to live in hope. A hope of a future beyond death. A hope in a place called heaven where there will be no more pain or suffering, or corruption, or cancer, or inflation, or divorce. And that hope should motivate us to press on, to press on, because we don't have to. We don't have to deal with these problems on our, no, on our own. We have something that we can live for, something that we know that's that when we pray that people are healed because God's power is at work in them, to pray that there's a place in heaven that we can look forward to going. And if I don't have this confident hope in the reality of a loving, caring God who saves me and offers me a better future, then there is no real future, is there? And so we live in the hope of eternal life eternal life in the future. But that new life in Jesus can begin now. It can begin today so that I can have a better marriage today because of Jesus. And I can have a better relationship with my neighbors and my classmates and my coworkers because of Jesus. And I can have a better attitude about my work because of Jesus. And when I live in hope, this this living hope, it should compel me to also want to share that with others to share the message of hope that Jesus in Jesus to those around me if i've experienced hope in Jesus why would i want to keep that to myself see there's a better tomorrow because of Jesus Jesus promised that he will return again when Jesus arrived in this world that first christmas he came to die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin We'll remember that again in a moment as we gather around the communion table. And that Jesus rose from the grave to, to demonstrate his power and victory over death. And then he went up to heaven to begin to prepare a place for us. And he promised that he would come back again to restore all things to the perfect state that it was when God created it. You see, in his first arrival, he came as a baby, but in his second arrival, he will come as a king to rule with justice and mercy. That's a promise from God that we can be confident he will keep And we need to be waiting, waiting in eager expectation, anticipation of Jesus' return. The Apostle Paul writes about this in his letter to Titus. He says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This Christmas, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, that first Advent. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. You see, when you're a follower of Jesus, Christmas should be a time of renewed hope for us. But living a life filled with hope, it's not just wishful thinking. You see, because our hope is in a person, and his name is Jesus, He is still Emmanuel, God with us, and our hope is anchored in the promises of God, a faithful God who keeps his word. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for this Christmas season, a time when we can reflect on the birth of Jesus, but a time to also be reminded of the hope that he brings into a broken world that hope was talked about and prophesied hundreds and thousands of years ago but god it's still there for us today and i pray that if there's someone here today that has never experienced that hope that's still living in a state of hopelessness that today god they would give their life to jesus the one who offers hope Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to pay for our sin. And as we gather around the communion table now, thank you that we are reminded of the incredible sacrifice you made to offer us hope. Forgiveness, yes, but hope of a future of an eternity in heaven together with you and God, free from the brokenness of this world. We love you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.